We are Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. Music provided by the Atlas. This show is a proud member of the Let's Chat Club. Learn more about how we're helping podcasts to build conversation, connection, and community at letschatpodcast.net. Episode 1, Anime, Sword Art Online. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. But before we start this episode, I want to take this opportunity to present to you some podcasts we think you might enjoy. Vicurian is our answer to the polarizing culture we live in. So how would you define Vicurian? The exploration of two ends of the continuum. I think that Vicurian to me means an openness to finding common ground. It facilitates ongoing investigation because one of the greatest things about being human, I think, is just being curious. Please check us out at Bicurian.com and follow us on your favorite social media platform of choice. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. We are Cheap Seat Reviews, the podcast that explores the Hollywood film industry for the greater good. good. Join us each week as we dive into the depths of streaming movies for the greater good. You can find us on Twitter at CheapSeatCast, Facebook.com slash CheapSeatReviews, and our website is CheapSeatReviews.Libsyn.com. All for the greater good. How can this be for the greater good? Shut it! Ignition. We're back for a second season. Welcome everybody to the Science Fiction Remnant. Hey, Robert. Hey. Do you want to let know everybody what we got as our new addition to our team? Well, uh, first of all, I'd like to say that we uh, we are very excited. Um, not not only to be back, but to have the hunger that I have seen in season one. And and it, you have no idea how much I thank you guys. For for listening to season one and continuing even today to listening to season one. So that's the reason why we brought in now season two, a, a new reformatted, and we hope that you like the new format. Um, I was kind of listening to all your feedback, and this is kind of like the result of that. So again, just like we said, like me and Giancarlo's always say to you guys, um, if you have any ideas or anything whatsoever, you can reach out to us on Twitter and let us know. And hopefully this works for us. But for season two, since you wanted more science fiction remnant, we had to bring another host. Giancarlos, you want to oh, give yeah. the honors? Well, I wanted him to actually just surprise everybody. How you doing, Max? Welcome Good again. Day, yeah? G'day, from, g'day from Australia. How you doing? Hey, how's the future, man? Oh, yeah, it's, uh, God, we're in the middle of uh, La Nina at the moment, so it's raining, raining, and more raining. So tomorrow should be raining here, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think actually we've got it all down here. You can't have any. Oh, man. But, I mean, Australia's always dry, and, I mean, 
Do you uh, have well, like actually, actually, no, it's the... drought, droughts or flooding rains. You, you and I heard like it. Jurassic Park and all the big monsters are really there. Uh, well, yeah, we, we have uh, 11 of the top 12 most poisonous snakes in the world, so yeah. And you have bats that are bigger than my dog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so for all of you guys out there listening, if you hear that voice, Max's voice sounds very familiar, is because he was the last episode of season one, which is still number two top downloaded episode for Science Fiction Remnant. So I hope you like what we have in store and we're going to have a lot more because now we're three to, you know, record and talk about this uh, with you guys. So hopefully you can join in the conversation with us um, via any medium that you have. So Max, you want to give a little bit more uh, feedback to, you know, people that have heard you on our last episode on season one, but might not be familiar with what you are into or where they can reach you. Uh, okay, sure. Um, so I, I live um, north of Sydney in New South Wales in Australia. So uh, I'm um, uh, GMT plus 10, whereas you guys are GMT minus five, I think. Yeah. So there's about 15 hours between us. So uh, I'm recording in the morning, whereas it's uh, Monday morning, where it's a Sunday night for you guys. So uh, that's sort of the time difference that we're, we're looking at. Uh, I've been a big fan of sci-fi all my life. Um, I, I distinctly remember going on um, holiday, in, like we, we'd, we'd drive halfway up Australia to, to go on holidays up, up to uh, Queensland from the bottom of New South Wales. Um, so it was like a... a a, a long two-day drive or a reasonable two-and-a-half-day drive. Mm -hmm. And I would spend a lot of that reading uh, science fiction books and, and looking at uh, science fiction art books. You remember all those 70s covers nice. um, from from the, the science fiction novels that were just, you know, amazing works of art and, um, you know, like the Pan Am rocket that um, they had for 2001, Space Odyssey, which was your most downloaded episode. But yeah, that, that particular artwork um, used to really stick in my head. And I used to collect this series of um, small format comics. Do you remember the commando comics? The little, the little comics. Oh, no. That's such YouTube time. Yeah, no. it, sounds, yeah. it, it sounds very familiar. I... But, but the same format, but they were called star blazers and they came from Britain and um, and I have the entire collection now. It, it took me until last year to get the last few off eBay. But there's 273 of them, and they all have amazing sort of golden era age sci-fi um, stories in them. They're, they're fantastic. No. Um, so the, I, I was collecting them when I was a kid and, you know, all sorts of sci-fi novels and sci-fi movies. And I was there when... Uh, uh, Star Wars dropped in 77. Um, that was amazing. Um, and yeah, I, just, I love sci-fi. It's great. And cyberpunk. I'm particularly particularly enamored with cyberpunk being uh, a big fan of uh, Alita Battle Angel, which I've come on your show and talked about the, uh, the, the short couple of OVAs, animes for that one as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm heavily involved in the uh, Alita Army, which is the, um, the fandom for Alita Battle Angel. Uh, we're yes. trying to get a sequel, so we're campaigning what? like crazy for that one. One of the episodes I most enjoy. 
Yeah, it was good fun. Yeah, it so was, I mean, I didn't fun. even know about any of that before Robert showed me the movie, and then we got to talk to you, and I was like, okay, my life I've been alive. We, we didn't <laughs> even know we were part of the Alita army, so you know, there you go. Well, well you know, if you want a sequel, you, you're you're in the Alita army. That's all it takes. <laughs> I want it. We need it, man. <laughs> we do. We do. So, there are Rob real Rod's, problems. So Rob Rod's working on it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you guys, if you guys here then uh, we have the perfect ad addition to our show. We are three sci-fi fanatics, and we're just going to talk about science fiction with you guys. So oh, we have two oh, science fi fanatics one, and a crazy guy that can talk. <laughs> one, 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 thing, one thing I should mention is that I'm, I'm actually a trained biologist, so um, I've been working in science um, most of my life. So I'm also a writer, so I'm, I'm very interested in in-house stories are put together and and especially science fiction stories so soon enough uh, max and i are going to start a side project underground where i'm going to be starting to modify myself of cyberpunk there you go well <laughs> I, I am actually a cyborg i i i have a, uh, a, a blood sugar sensor attached to my arm uh which which continuously monitors uh interstitial blood glucose so according according to the classical definition i am actually a cyborg Ah, there you oh, go. nice. Yeah, you're right. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So, Giancarlos, here's our first segment. Divine Science Fiction Remnant. So, basically, what we have been doing in Twitter is we reach out to you and we post a question. If you have someone they uh, like sci-fi, science fiction, they, they never heard of our show. Tell us, how would you define our show to them? And we got quite a response back. And we want to make sh this part of a segment on season two where, you know, you go ahead and tell us what you think, how you define science fiction remnant, and um, you could appear in the, you know, uh, you can get a mention in the show. So, Max and Giancarlos, I'm going to read the first one. <coughs> in every episode that we have. We're going to be reading one particular one. This one comes from uh, Mr. Robles, uh, 1939, who says, science fiction remnant are perfect for the 80s junkie. What do you think about that? Um, I get a feeling that um, maybe season two cover a lot more of the 80s, which was kind of like unintentional. Mm -hmm. um, what do you think about that comment? I mean... The, do you agree of the definition based on season one? I mean, a definition for something like sci-fi. Well, we're for our show. People to, for, for our show, it's mm -hmm. still like we're asking them to share their perception of what we are uh, sharing. Uh, and yes, I mean, it's one of those things that is nice because there's no wrong wrong answer. Yes, right, you know, there's no no wrong answer. We we usually find more relatability to each listener's individuals too, which I love. And what that that, you know, when I would when I heard that comment, I kind of see where they're coming from because we have quite a few episodes on season one that were from around that, and you know, they mm -hmm. hit. So, Max, what do you think? Um, do you think I'm right in saying this? or? Um, well, the 80s was peak sci-fi. I mean, we had 
multiple Star Wars movies, the Star Trek movies, um, a whole bunch of, uh, of sort of other franchises and things coming out through there. Um, there was Back to the Future. There, there were so many great... Oh, Aliens, Predator, uh, the yeah. list is long. Um, oh, yeah. So there was, it, it was it was sort of a golden age of, of certainly movies, um, and there was a lot of writers writing about sci-fi, and, and um, uh, computer games were starting to come out. I remember right at the end of the 80s, I had a, uh, one of those boxy Macs, and I used to play Reach for the Stars on it. And I used to, uh, I spent way too much time playing that instead of studying at university. But um, it, it, it was a great time for sci-fi. It really was. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, uh, I want to say thank yous uh, to uh, Mr. Robles1939. Thank you for your comment. His name's Mario. I know him well. He's in the Elite Army. Awesome. Awesome. <clears throat> He's a great bloke. So for the next uh, segment, uh, we have something new that we're trying to do. And I guess all of you guys uh, here, as well as uh, home listening, um, will appreciate. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Mono Rats. We are One Accord Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi. So in this segment, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring attention to the this is sci-fi hashtag uh, anywhere you use it. Uh, basically, the idea is to bring the sci-fi community together, creators yeah. and fans alike, um, so we can have a conversation, a, a combined conversation. Uh, we do have a Discord channel, so if you want to um, come in in the Discord and let's discuss sci-fi, just... The link invite is on the description of every episode as well as the show. Um, if you are not familiar with Discord, just reach out to us in, um, in Twitter and, and follow the hashtag, This is Sci-Fi, where we post different things uh, from day to day. And there's um, kind of like a, um, a post that I kind of like that, me, that between me and Max uh, is called the messages from the future, which is kind of cool. But we highlight, you know, sci-fi community, sci-fi podcasts, sci-fi books. Um, so we we want to bring this huge, strong sci-fi community together. And this is the only way that we can figure out um, <clears throat> to get everybody involved. Um, I want to make a Frankenstein out of sci-fi. There you go. <laughs> live, back alive. There you go. So, you know, thanks for everybody in that, uh, clip that uh, you just heard. Uh, special thanks from uh, for uh, Nikki from In Bed with Nikki for the last. Uh, who would have thought she would be the voice of sci-fi? Huh? <laughs> so, what do you think, Max, about what we are trying to do? Um, and, and I'm sure you're being involved in, uh, obviously, being involved in that. This is a, a message from the future tweets that we're doing. Um, what is your thought about that? Well, um, certainly the Discord, this is sci-fi chat group is very active and very interesting. They're all um, dropping their uh, podcast recommendations and then their new episodes. And uh, there's there's so much there to, to take in. I, I've still got to go and explore a whole bunch of these new podcasts that I didn't know anything about. So uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, so, and that's the whole idea why, uh, you know, there was so much thing, there was so much hunger for sci-fi. I think, 
yeah. honestly that uh, because we are such a niche uh, group of people, it, it, it makes it that much harder for us to find content. You know, that could be a, a podcast, movies, TV shows, um, books or whatever. So this is, I think, in my opinion, a great idea. So we can bring everybody together and, and we can all share our experience in sci-fi and, and, and share our content. Um, and for those of you who are, who are hungry with sci-fi content, this is actually perfect because you can take a pick of what you like and, and get your sci-fi fix. Uh, Giancarlo, so what do you think? I mean, I love to see sci-fi, even though I was not in the past really realizing I was part of the community. I always loved that element of fantasy that it brings, that escape from reality, that dream, that like the imagination that we have a little kid that goes dying as we grow up, it brings it back to life, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, I always love a good sci-fi movie. Uh, you and I have talked so much about how we actually feel bad that there's some good fantasy material that we cannot even bring because we just like it as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think these kind of things are what brings people together for something bigger than all the trivialities that we see on a day to day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So definitely do follow. This is sci-fi hashtag and join our discount channel. And let's continue with and our journey on the sci-fi discovery. Um, Can I bring something up before we move on? Yeah, sure. Please. Uh, so the the thing about uh, so I'm I'm new to Twitter so there's a huge amount of material on Twitter and there's a lot of toxicity of course but mm-hmm. um, I, <laughs> I I find that if you um, interact with people who are non non toxic there and people who are are dedicated to uh, a particular interest like the Elite Army or the, the This Is Sci Fi group they're very positive because they're talking about something they really enjoy. And when you're talking about something you enjoy, you can't help but be positive. Mm-hmm. So I find that hashtags like hashtag a leader army and hashtag this is sci-fi, if you search for those, you will find a huge amount of interesting content, which is interesting to you because it's based on that hashtag, and it's really positive. So you can find a positive side to Twitter if your experience has been negative. Just keep away from the politics and religion and 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 search for the people who are loving on on their topic. And exactly. you, you don't go to Twitter positive. for what people go to Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> keep keep away from the twits and, and talk to the, the people who are passionate about their likes. Yes. Yeah. So Giancarlos, you got your first segment. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. So I mean, on this segment, we, we take the opportunity to thank our wonderful listeners, which are really the reason why we are now here in our season two. And for starting, I wanted to give a big thanks. Uh, the name, it's a, don't think that I'm just trying to say a bad word, okay? But let me tell you something, bitch. Uh, actually mentioned us in a top of podcast uh, she said parties for thoughties and we were part of that list and i wanted to give him a special a special thanks for listening to us and mentioning us and basically just showing the world a little bit more of us so we can grow our listening group i i'm really thankful for that now the other podcast that i wanted to thank actually is the manic pixie weirdo podcast um 
always, always listening to us, always commenting, and always participating in, like, when we did the poll about type of sci-fis, they were, we make group conversation with them. Mm -hmm. It's always a good interaction. And, and, and I'm coming up on an episode pretty soon. I'm not sure when it's going to be released, but, uh, you know, stay tuned, uh, stay tuned, because I, I guess I make a guest appearance on that uh, podcast. Yeah, and and for the last, and I mean, I wish I could do it every single episode, but I would like to thank in my first episode, I don't know reference, but all that she's done and how fun our episodes with her is to Nikki. Yes. Yes. Thank you, Nikki. A big, big thank you to her. Thank you for being part of everything we've done. And I mean, it's just wonderful every time that we connect and we talk. So kudos to that. We're very happy how your show is growing too. Uh, and I will call it off right now on that. Yeah. And just in case, uh, just so you know, uh, she was the voice of sci-fi there. And mm -hmm. if you want to hear uh, more of her and, and you're into the sexy um, uh, type of podcast, uh, her podcast is In Bed with Nikki. So you can reach out. Yeah. So now we move on to... The Outer Remnant. And on this segment, on The Outer Remnant, we talked about episodes that we have been in. So if you want more of Science Fiction Remnant, uh, you can get more of us in other podcasts. Um, so, uh, Max, do you have one uh, uh, for us to share? Um, so, so we, um, I've been, uh, appearing. So is that the one you were talking about? Yes. Uh, the, where we, oh. I, I thought you were going, uh, this week you were going with, uh, the one you mentioned in shout outs. Oh, that's oh. What I'm confused. <clears throat> no, that's okay. That's okay. So basically <laughs> the one that I want to point out is, is a two-parter. Um, and there was an episode that we appeared on and radio, radio chaos, radio chaos is, um, a production that Max helps produce. Um, and, and go ahead and tell a little bit, like, when does the show sh uh, appears and at what time? Um, sure. I, I know the time might be a little... It's it's <laughs> it's 9 p.m. Uh, UTC um, all, all year round uh, on uh, the um, Alita Army channel on uh, YouTube. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a live stream, so everything that happens... It's called Radio Chaos for a reason, because there's usually chaos. Uh, <laughs> we, we have all sorts of technical difficulties and people popping in and out and dropping off and all this sort of stuff. But that really doesn't matter, because um, the point of the, uh, the the live stream is to support the fandom and support, uh, support the push to get a sequel for the 2019 film Alita Battle Angel. And well, the point was chaos. <laughs> yes, yeah. one of the characters was chaos. Yes, but um, we also uh, look at the manga and compare the characters to characters in other franchises, um, and uh, we get guests in who who have interests in in both the uh, the Alita fandom and outside it to to sort of link them together. And basically, we're trying to foster interest in the franchise, get more people to watch this movie because it's it's. Um, it's been sorely underrated. Um, it was it was poorly advertised because um, uh, at the time, 
Okay, so it seems like we have uh, out the resume is trying to get mm -hmm. jobs. So it just didn't really happen, which was yeah. a shame. But it is the last ever movie that was released under the 20th Century Fox label, so it has that um, ignominious uh, honor. Yeah. So but the the the, the live stream is designed to you know keep the fandom going in between in between movies and uh, keep mm -hmm. people interested. So if you have any interest, go watch the movie and then come and listen to the podcast. There's we're up to 93 this week, episode 93. We try and drop an episode every week, but it doesn't always happen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're looking forward to 99 because 99 is a leader's number, so we're going to do something special for that one. Ooh. So the, the episode that I want to bring, uh, bring out uh, or point out in, in this segment is episode 76. Um, it's called What Are You Top? What are your top five cyberpunk properties and how do they compare to Alita? Um, so give it a listen. Uh, if you want to hear more of um, us, Science Fiction Remnant, we are there. So I, re I really enjoyed that one. I had a PowerPoint slides and everything for that one. It was good fun. Nice. Mm. Yeah. So that brings us to um, our main topic of the evening. So, in this episode, we are talking about a property that is long overdue. Uh, yeah. Me and Giancarlos have talked about this multiple times on season one. Um, it never happened for whatever reason. Um, but well, this is the reason. I, c I can tell you why it didn't happen, because you had to get me involved first. Exactly. This is the reason. <laughs> <laughs> so, the property is Sword Art Online. And uh, it's an amazing property. So, um, Max, do you have the, the plot synopsis for? I, I do have the plot synopsis. But before we jump into that, I just wanted to give a little bit of context. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, following on from our discussion about uh, anime at the end of the last season, um, anime is a very interesting beast in that um, you, you sort of get a, a very sharp sort of change in the way that animes are treated you you most animes are created 12 episodes or, or, or a short number of episodes and then they look and see if that property and it's usually either from a manga or a light novel series yeah. uh, whether it's doing well if it does well enough sales in blu-rays and merch uh, then it starts to get follow-up seasons. So you find a lot of animes that are 12, seasons, 12 episodes and that's it. That's all you get. And if you want to know any more about the story, you've got to go back to the source material, either the, the, um, the manga, if it was a manga or light novels. Perfect example is Alita Battle Angel, uh, Gumu, Battle Angel that. Alita. Mm -hmm. um, it, two OVAs were created in the 90s and uh, the writer of, writer and, and artist of the manga, uh, Kishiro, didn't like them, so he, he stopped it. Um, but uh, uh, that was very short. It was only two half hours. But a lot of them are 12 episodes, uh, 24 minutes an episode. Obviously, the other six minutes and a half hours for advertisements. But um, th that'll be created, and then that's about all you'll get. And it, it really is, feels quite sad when, when they don't get an extra season, you're just getting into the story and then it stops and you've got to go back to the source material to find out what happens. Or you get on the wiki and find out what happens <laughs> if, you, if you can't be bothered reading along. But um, I'm actually sitting on the Sword Art Online wiki right now. 
So um, Sword Art Online was originally a series of uh, light novels. So uh, just in case you don't know what a light novel is, uh, there's uh, different types of kanji. So there's there's the everyday kanji and then there's the sort of literary, literary kanji. It's kind of like if you were writing in jargon uh, in, in a technical sense in English. Uh, but um, uh, light novels are generally written in the basic kanji, which is easier to read. And Isn't the Haryana Katakana? Uh, I, I don't know the specific name of it, but I'm, I'm just sort of generalizing here. But if you want to jump in and, and, and give any... Oh, any, no, Robert is uh, a yeah. scholar in that. Hiragana yeah. and Katakana, that's, that's probably what they were written. They're, they're meant for, you know, maybe elementary kids or uh, initial high schoolers. Uh, yeah. uh, and then from there... Junior high. Mm -hmm. Junior high. All people like me, you know? <laughs> Basically, it's easy reading, um, and the length of them is around 45,000 to 50,000 words, which is interesting because there's a, a, a yearly thing called NaNoWriMo, which is National Novel Writing Month, which happens in November, and it's, it's worldwide. I was actually involved in it back in the noughties. And um, basically, you're trying to write a 50,000-word novel in one month. Uh, which well, it's only 1,667 words a day. It's not that hard if you keep at it. And it's, it's to get people into the habit of writing. Yeah. Uh, and oftentimes it'll produce 50,000 words of rubbish if they finish it all. And then you've got to turn that into a novel. So no novels don't pop out of a writer's head fully formed. You've got to go through edits and, and changes and rewrites and all this sort of thing. But, it's good uh, that Max says this because that way people <laughs> are thinking that he's just so difficult to write a 1200 words I say I'm gonna be like okay let me shut up mm -hmm. <laughs> oh yeah you got you got to have a brain for stories you really do but oh, yeah. um, getting back to sword art online so 2009 sword art online started coming out with uh, the light novels mm -hmm. uh, 2013 was when the first sword art online series began uh, so obviously there's four seasons, two two movies with a new one just coming out in December. Um, I'm not sure exactly when this episode is going to drop, but fourth um, of December was when it came out. I'm expecting this this episode to drop after it's happened. Maybe you can still catch it in cinemas. Um, but that's that story is actually sort of like a, a it's a, it's almost a prequel. Mm -hmm. um, I'll I'll get to what what it involves in a minute, but um, the initial um, Sword Art Online series had two story arcs in it, Arncrad, which was the uh, Sword Art Online game um, arc, mm -hmm. and then Fairy Dance, which was a follow-up one. So what happens in uh, the Arncrad arc is that um, uh, 10,000 people have managed to get into this game. It's uh, full VR, um, what they call full dive immersion. So basically your brain... Uh, signals are being intercepted and put into an avatar in game rather than moving your body. So your body is basically comatose, um, but your 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 mind's moving uh, a character around in a game, and it's full immersion. So you're seeing, hearing, tasting, smelling, feeling this world rather than the world that you actually exist in. So this is this is full dive VR. That, that's the basis of it, and. Uh, it, uh, uh, a man called uh, now what's his name because it's quite uh, quite a complicated name. Is it? It that is. Um, I know for all of the sci-fi fans out there, uh, that is and and slash gamers, that is a like a, a fantastic dream. 
to get into. And yeah. it's also scary at the same time. You know what's the scary part? The Matrix part. Yes. Well, it, it, it does sort of um, run off, off that sort of whole Matrix um, yeah. vibe as well. Absolutely. It, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. So, yeah, th this, this over here, it's, it's very interesting because um, this, the, the, the anime came out in 2012. So based, it's based on a game that goes online next year. November 6, 2022. And do it is... That, do you guys think secretly that it's going to be true? Like, are there going to be a nerf year coming up? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, just like a lot of these things, you, you look at um, uh, Back to the Future, where we've already passed uh, the year in which um, they jumped forward. Uh, at the end of um, at the end of the first movie, so during yeah. the second movie, they jump forward um, to 2016, and obviously we're way past that, and we didn't have flying cars or hoverboards or or jackets that were oh, self-drying. For the record, so, we have hoverboards and we have the Nikes. <laughs> oh, we had the Nikes. They made the Nikes, but that wasn't all that hard. And there's hovering boards too. I've seen them. Yeah. Of course, yeah. they're not commercial. You don't see them all, all on the street. And yeah. most, yeah. most importantly, there are DeLoreans. You, actually, <laughs> manufacturing yeah. expensive. They don't drop. They, they don't, don't run. They don't travel <laughs> they don't to run, the future. <laughs> but they're DeLoreans. <laughs> so you want to market? Story is very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but we're, we're we're getting off topic. But basically, what I what I was saying with that was that. A lot of times these, um, these writers say, oh, it, 10 years will be enough. Um, mm -hmm. when, when I'm writing it now, it's, it's 10 years off in the future, that's fine. Uh, but then, you know, time marches on. It was 30 years between when the second um, Back to the Future movie came out where they were, were, were directing their future predictions. And um, yeah. and obviously, thirty years march has passed, and we still watch those movies, but we go, ah, must be a different timeline because <laughs> we didn't get that stuff. Elon Musk is not onto that. Oh, I'm sure he's. I'm sure he's working on it somewhere. Uh, It'll be in the back of his head somewhere. I actually know that they've created hoverboards for moving like materials around in um, in warehouses, but you have to have a copper floor, and it's very expensive because copper is quite expensive these days. Yeah, um, so, I mean, at this point, like. The next step that hasn't been even commercialized of VR, which I would love to have one, is uh, by uh, what's it called? A uh, bi-dimensional uh, walker platform rover. Oh yeah, yeah. So that oh, is the, the, the multi-directional treadmill. Multi-directional yeah. treadmill. Yeah, that, but it steals on research. So it makes makes me feel like we're really far away. If we cannot do that fully yet, we are. And I mean, there's so much of the brain and, and, and anatomy and the structures that it's just mystery to us still yeah and, and well, uh, they're doing the gloves uh, recently so i mean yeah. you know we're, we're kind of going in the right way when it comes to vr but yeah like you said we, we are definitely not there yet yeah well I'll, I'll cover a lot of that in the um in the uh science behind science fiction section i've got a whole bunch of, of stuff to talk about for that cool cool Mm. Um, so uh, uh, now I found his name. Where was it? Um, Akihiko Kayaba. 
Oh, try saying that five times fast. Yes. <laughs> yes. So he's he's this guy who created the Nerve Gear and wrote the Sword Art Online game. Um, so the protagonist of the story, uh, which is um, Kazuto, uh, what's his surname? Kazuto Kitigaya. So Kazuto Kitigaya. Kazuto's his 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 given name, but obviously in Japan they put it around the other way, so it would be Kitigaya Kazuto. Uh, so yeah. he he apparently built his first PC from parts when he was six. So this is the kind of guy we're dealing with here. He's he's very technologically orientated. Yeah. Uh, he managed he's to get you. into the, there was a thousand people who got into the beta for um, Sword Art Online, and he was one of them. So he had an inside line on it. Uh, he um, is also trapped with ten thousand other people inside this game when the logout button doesn't work. Uh, and the nerve gear, the way it works, involves uh, EM radiation into the uh, um, brainstem to uh, block nerve signals to and from the body and also to provide information to the user from the system. Um, but also it uses microwaves to do this and uh, the headsets are created so that if you uh, lose all your hit points within the game, uh, it basically nukes your brain and kills you. So all the 10,000 people who are trapped in there, uh, if they die in game, they die in real life. Basically, Kaiba was a... Uh, he, That's um, every gamer's dream. Woo! <laughs> really? <laughs> secret. It's secretly, you know? Well, it's, and just it's, that idiot that tells it to everybody. <laughs> and then everybody goes like, no. I, I think it's referred to as the death game. Yeah, I yeah, think sadly, sadly enough, I think that that paved the way for the next wave mm -hmm. in this franchise of um, of gear, uh, where they mm -hmm. had the protection, where you know the the gear is in in, in the future uh, episodes. Uh, after this arc is done, um, the gear now monitors your uh, vitals, like uh, heart condition and stuff like that. Because I always, I always wonder about this: how many people out of all those people that died when, um, when the logout button disappeared, and and then the announcement was made, um, because of the psychological trauma. Because I mean, we're talking about this a big range of people that got stuck in there. Um, yeah. The, you know, you could have people that maybe have a heart attack because of the psychological trauma. And if the body dies, is the inverse to what, uh, what was supposed to happen in the game, where if you, if your body dies, you die in game as well. So and uh, the infinite, uh, how do you call it? Uh, question, like the, can the body live without the mind? Can you really kill the mind, you know? Which that actually is being put to the test in this property because of the creator. You know, as we know what happened to him. Um, now, maybe Max can give us a scientific, more factual answer. But is, is it possible or you will have to really, uh, you will have to, how can I say, put together a system that would uh, on purposely kill your mind or once it disconnects really if your mind is being in another place by technology really can be killed and not just turn on 
there there are a lot of of stories, a lot of sci-fi properties like um, Chappie, mm-hmm. um, uh, The Matrix. Uh, well, the, the new Matrix movie is going to be going down that road, mm-hmm. uh, I believe, um, because obviously the the main characters died at the end of the third. Um, Matrix movie, so they're resurrecting them. So there's got to be some way that their consciousnesses have survived. Um, there is suggestion in a lot of sources that that the um, that a human consciousness is just a, a mass of data so large that it's managed to um, become self-aware, and and the idea that the entire consciousness could somehow be digitized. Uh, and replicated somewhere else is is a very mm-hmm. hot topic in a lot of these sorts of properties, including this one. Yep. So we don't have the technology currently to do it that I know of. Um, maybe maybe uh, Elon Musk is working on it. Uh, but, um, but 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 as it stands, um, you know, the whole idea of AI versus um, well, it it is actually. Uh, part of the what we're not going to cover today with the, the alicization um, third and four seasons of this property uh, that um, uh, they're creating what's called a, a bottom-up AI. So they're taking taking they're basically recording somebody's soul through yeah. taking a copy of all the information in, in a baby's brain and then growing it up as if that person was was real inside of a VR environment a full VR environment. So that's what that's what's called a a bottom up AI. It's it's a grown individual, artificial individual within an environment. Whereas a top down AI is a written AI, so something that's been programmed. And uh, so you could say it's the difference that uh, the the other one is more like a self actualizing AI. Yeah, exactly. Something it's that's it doesn't need, it doesn't need updating. It already will take on infinitely into perfection as it continues to learn and learn and make more tools in order to learn more you know i was thinking about something too and now that you mentioned max um because while we're on the topic of can you know the consciousness be be transferred and can we leave um continued living on um on this property in particular when they're doing uh the copy of the what they call it a flock light which is basically the soul um in the beginning experiments, they were copying themselves, the scientists. And mm. the copies had catastrophic catastrophic mm. failure, uh, and, and they basically just died out. Um, it, it makes yeah, that, w- that was that was trauma when they found out that they were a copy. Yeah. They, they, they discovered that they weren't the original. So that brings me to a question, and, and we probably talked about this in, in, in many of the episodes. On season on season one, but uh, the is it possible? Well, um, let me let me pose this question here. You're able to copy yourself. Let's say, for example, you're you're dying from you know you're terminal ill, and uh, or maybe you're old already, and and you're in your deathbed, and um, and before you die, they copy you consciousness or they transfer you whichever you know you prefer to use. Um, and they copy you into a, let's say we have the, tech, the technology and they copy your floodlight. Um, so w- I wonder what the psyche, the comparison on the psyche, um, because as humans, we don't want, we always tend to, to think on self when you think 
internally. So the fact that you are a copy of yourself, I can see how that could cause some psychological trauma. Uh, but in the case where you're copied in into another and original dies, you know, I wonder what you guys think about the psyche in that particular scenario. Also, is is it, you know, your would you consider a copy? Or, or a transfer of essence in that particular scenario. I always wonder about that, especially when I watch that 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 arc on Sword Art Online, in, in compared to other properties on Sci-Fi that I have actually seen. You know, example, uh, it could be one of our favorite uh, properties, uh, Giancarlo's um, Ghost in the Machine. Yeah, precisely. Do you mean Ghost in the Machine I, or Ghost in the Shell? I think that's a fa- uh, matter of fantasy, but I'll let Max jump in before i create the dream for people because i don't think really it's me well there's more than one factor here um most of the properties that deal with people ending up being transferred or modified in some major way i mean you look at robocop Mm -hmm. um if you look at the first couple of robocop movies uh the the main character was the only one who managed to keep a sense of self after he was turned into a, a RoboCop, all the other people that they attempted to turn into a RoboCop killed themselves because they couldn't deal with the, the change. They couldn't, they couldn't um, process what had happened to them. Whereas he managed to do it because he had a, uh, a strong sense of justice and a sense of, of um, mine. having, having I mean. um, something that he had to do, you know, he had to mm-hmm. protect to keeping alive. Mm-hmm. And, Perfect. and, a lot of these properties, what it comes down to is willpower and the will to to go on regardless of what's happened to you. So and Will that's, Smith that's, is within us. Huh. That's right. <laughs> but it, it's, um, it, it's, it's more uh, uh, how, how regimented your thinking is and how strong your, your mind is and whether or not little things are going to get to you or, or you, you, you're focused on a, on a task or achieving something and that drives you onwards. And, you know, look, everybody's different. Like there's people who, you know, they break a fingernail, it's the end of the world. Um, yeah. And there's other people who lose an arm and it doesn't stop them. Mm-hmm. So you've you got to look at it like that. The strength of the person's mind mm-hmm. and their, their drive and, and, and their values. Um, a lot of people aren't particularly attached to their bodies and other people, you know, they break a fingernail, it's the end of the world. So it, it's very variable. Mostly, mostly those that live out of their image and the vain things that are more material, right? Mm-hmm. Because once you talk about something like this, uh, the materialistic aspect of life is completely useless, if you think of it. I mean, going, going back to this property for a moment, um, there's a lot of discussion about what is reality and what is... You're, you're basically they saying your experience is your reality. So if you're trapped inside a game, um, that is your experience. That is your reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got to make the most of it. And that, and that's something that happens between the two major characters, uh, Asuna and, and Kirito, that he teaches her to embrace wherever you are at the time and get the most out of it. And that, that works for us too. I mean, we're not trapped inside a game, but you might have a environment that you're not happy with or, or mm-hmm. a situation like myself. I've been diabetic for 39 years and 
lot of days it sucks big time, but you that is your reality and you just got to deal with it. You repeat and, a lot inside your mind, oh crap, they don't have sugar free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, um, I, basically, it's, it's all about dealing with your environment and getting the most out of every day. And that's a, a lot of these anime have these sorts of important life messages. And, you know, kid, kids who are in, in junior high and, and high school are watching this. And I think that there's a lot that they can take away from these things, even if they don't realize that they're getting these messages, they're getting them. And I think that's actually one of the good things about anime, that it's giving the kids these hints about life and about how to make their lives survivable or, or even better if they really, you know, latch onto these ideas. It's true. And I mean, and I mean to put another simple message that he shares that goes hand-to-hand with that, he teaches us about self-acceptance. because. Yeah. Most of us want to be, we, we, uh, we don't differentiate between the ethos and the pathos. And the truth is we do not accept what we are, but we try to lie ourselves on what we want to be. Uh, so we don't accept ourselves. And I think that that's one of the points that it touches a lot that Kirit t- tries to show to Asuna is about also self-acceptance. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, he like, teaches he's so strong and she doesn't accept that. Well, he it, teaches her self-acceptance. She teaches him a self-actualization. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, you know, Kirito also suffers for what he had to do in game. Um, mm-hmm. Just to survive and just to, um, you know, guard against evil or, or, or protect the people he cared for or as much. Because, uh, you know, he, he, he does care about everybody that got stuck in there. And he tries to protect everybody uh, from 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 what happened. So uh, that and things that are out of his hands too. Exactly. So he had to do things that are not kosher in order for 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 that to be uh, a, a realization. So I think mainly and, and partly some of his trauma is because of that. You know, he had to kill people, and and, and you know, put this in the shoulder. Of, of a teenager and, and you know it's already a hard thing even for a soldier that goes out and, and he's on the orders to kill the enemy he's still killing another person and that's why we have PTSD now we have this kid you know he's not even a professional soldier he's just trying to survive he's trying to protect people and and, and I think that's exactly what's going on he has some heavy uh, PTSD after this game and he he well, he was, he was 15 when he went in there. Yeah. And as soon as he was 16, so. But, I mean, wow. you know, kids kids that of that age, like 16-year-olds were sneaking into the army in World War II, but they were in a military, so they had instruction. They were told what to do. He wasn't. He had to work it out for himself. Yeah, yeah. And and that world, I, I, it may not be uh, obvious to the listeners, but... Um, the, the game was, was meant to be PvE, so it was players versus environment. They had to beat the boss the boss at each level to go up, and there was 100 levels, and they had to beat the game. But um, Made it PvP. <laughs> but besides that, there was, there was a dueling system, which um, meant that you know, if people had, had grief with each other, they could, they could duel against each other. But there was also the ability in, non, in non-safe zones to attack other players and obviously if you attack somebody enough to drop their hp to zero the nerve gear would kill them 
yeah. so they would actually die in real life. And there was a murder guild called the Laughing Coffin, which pops up over and over again in um, the storylines that we're talking about here. And they um, went around killing people. That was their thing. That's what they enjoyed, making people dead. Oh they were murderers. And they, they had free reign because there was no cops in, inside the game. Yeah. So this is what, this is what he had to deal with. And well, he actually the that they wanted to win. But he actually killed three people and he let a couple of other people die through not acting fast enough, or that's how he felt about it anyway. And um, he, he had to deal with that. He, he had PTSD about that for quite some time and he had to come to terms with it. And that's actually one of the major themes in the first part of season two. Um, do you want me to go back and just quickly touch on the points of the the, the plot? Because we sort of wandered off that really far. Well, like like we spoke before, like that's what we do. So by all means, <laughs> yeah, please. We, we you're gonna talk I'll, a few, and then we're gonna drag off again to another. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's fine. No, I'll just try and quickly hit them. So just give me a moment. So um, the, the first arc is Arncrad, which is the as I said, the hundred floor um, dungeon that they had to fight their way through. Uh, had some beautiful levels in it. There was a, there's a period where once uh, uh, Kirito and Asunu uh, realize how they feel about each other, they buy a house on level 22 and hang out there and they, they find an, uh, an AI wandering through the woods who becomes their, their child, Yui, and, um, and some very interesting story arcs there. Uh, and then um, in the end, he manages to defeat uh, the guy who was running the major guild in the game who uh, turned out to actually be Kaiba. So Kaiba was basically uh, full diving into his own murder game and playing the leader of the people trying to beat the game. So he was basically playing both ends against the middle. Uh, and um, in the end, uh, Kirito and, um, and Asuna managed to beat him, although it looks like uh, Asuna's died in the attempt, but um, uh, she didn't actually end up dying. And Kirito you know, gets basically killed as well. But he, through force of will, he manages to hang on long enough to kill Kaiba and um, free everybody from the game. So uh, just about 4,000 people died out of the 10,000 during the two and a half years that they were trapped in, or a bit over two years that they were trapped in there. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, all, all of the, the kids who were school-age kids who were... Um, uh, what they call SAO survivors are uh, brought together into a single school so they can be monitored. Uh, and so all of the people that um, uh, Carito and Asuna knew in there are going to school with them or friends outside of school. So they, they create this really close bonded group. Uh, and then um, SAO, uh, the SAO server is shut down, but, um, and the company that, that created SAO, um, is broken up and uh, another company called Rect uh, buys uh, the, the software rights uh, and the servers and everything and um, takes over the, the gaming system. They create a new headset. So the nerve gear is recalled except um, uh, Carito manages to hang on to one because Yui's data is, is kept on there. So he doesn't want to lose that because uh, she, she gets basically ejected from the game and they, they manage to save her data so um, for the future because they, um, uh, Asuna and Carito feel like she's their daughter, so they want to hang on to her, though she's an AI. Um, and 
the the um while uh sao is is winding down like carito is is finishing that arc off in the real world um this new company wrecked creates a new headset uh called the now where is it i've got to bring the atmosphere and um and it is a cut-down version of the Nerve Gear, and it doesn't have the same uh, strength of emitters that the Nerve Gear had, so it's presumably not able to uh, cause death to the user. So it's basically deemed safe, and they create a new game cloned from SAO called uh, Alphine Online. And so that that starts becoming a thing, and because it's deemed safe, all the kids are, kids jump on board and start playing in that game and basically it's a whole bunch of uh Ill, um fairy races and there's this world tree in the center and and um wrecked uh is actually the ceo of wrecked is a suitor's father so he he had a good reason to be involved in that because um because the was trapped in in sao but when uh, the survivors are released 300 of them including Asuna, don't wake up they're still trapped online somewhere they, they don't know where exactly turns out that um uh as soon as father's second in command sugio uh has trapped them in there and created a virtual experimentational lab where he's screwing around with their heads uh with their minds uh looking at ways to control people through uh emotional manipulation and and memory manipulation and as soon as trapped in there as well uh, so Carito has to, uh, uh, he, he gets given a photograph which shows a blurry photo of Asuna and he realizes that she's in Alfheim online. So he has to push through his PTSD of SAO and go in there and try and find out what the hell's going on and try and save her. So these two arcs, the, the Arncrad arc and the Fairy Dance arc are linked together. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we, we meet um, uh, Kazuto, that's that's Carito's name in real life. Uh, her his sister um, Sugio, and she's um, she's she's got a crush on her brother. He's not actually her brother; he's a cousin because um, they're a blended family. But they're cousins, but they've been brought up as brother and sister. And she's got a crush on him, pretty big time. Uh, and she... every other girl has a crush on Kito, okay? <laughs> okay, I should mention in in genre, this is actually a, um, a harem and it's a harem anime, but it's a it's a it's a special one because in most harem animes, there's this distance that the guy keeps with all the girls, and he runs away whenever any of them get too close. But in this harem anime, um, you've actually got a relationship. Uh, Asuma and uh, Kurito are in a very strong relationship. They basically commit themselves to each other in game and out of game. Um, and that's why Carito has to go in there and rescue her. Uh, he, he can't leave her trapped in there. And Sugio is actually uh, organized with um, Asuna's father to marry her. And he's got a week before she's supposed to marry him because this guy <laughs> wants to take over the company. So he's like doing all the wrong things. I might have to add. The uh, this I find that I find is very yeah. refreshing for a, a type of heron anime because of what you just said is it, yeah. it's it's I actually think, a relationship. I I, I venture <laughs> yes I venture to say and and I don't know I'm, I, that I can think of and this is the first one that I have seen 
um, in this manner that is very refreshing. I mean, to the point where we have scenes where, for example, Lisbeth, you know, she was trying to um, get with Kirito, and she realizes, you know, Kirito, you know, she obviously feels bad because he realized how she feels um, about him. But it basically, in short and in, in different ways, tells him that he is taken. Um, and, 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 you know, and then she accepts this after realizing it's actually Asuna. Um, so... Who she's friends with. Yes. So <laughs> it's kind of refreshing because... Um, you know, in other harems, you know, the, he, he just gets who, whoever gets too close, just like you said. In, uh-huh. in, in this one, you can see he has some sort of um, line that he will not cross. Um, yeah. And, and it's very, what's the word that I'm looking for? It, it puts him in the light of being a gentleman, which is not yeah. typically something you would see in a harem. No. Well, a lot of harems are, are unrealized harems. So um, you, you have the harems where it's just going to be the guy and, and nine girls and he either marries all of them or, or something happens like that. Uh, but a lot of these animes, they set up the harem dynamic, but they, there's never conclusion. Um, one that I'll, I'll bring up as an example is uh, Nuskoi, uh, False Love. I, I don't know if you've seen that one. It's very good. Um, but... In the anime, they set up the harem and, and nothing gets resolved. There's a whole big backstory, but it'll chew up too much time. But I've, I've read the manga. There's 25 volumes. And I, I read the from volume six where it's sort of fading out from, from the anime uh, all the way to 25 in three days. It was that engaging. And it, it, it gets, at the end, he ends up marrying one of the girls and the other ones sort of miss out. And I feel sorry for them because they're all trying really, really hard. Yeah. But um, Carito is in in the anime called a chick magnet, um, and basically he's in a death game and he saves people as as much as he can. He he plays as a as a a loner, but he's he's he'll he always paid. jump in to try and save people. He's a hero, mm-hmm. and he jumps in to save people. And and you know a girl's about to die, and he'll jump in and save her, and and put him put himself at risk. And then he will he will do what he can to help her achieve her ends, and they fall for it, um, which is not unsurprising. But um, as there's a whole bunch of scenes where Asuna and Kirito are sitting away from the others, you know, being all lovey dovey, and the girls are just sort of sitting there grumbling and moaning, like, "Oh God, they're always doing that. Oh, when am I going to find somebody like that?" Because they've all fallen for him and then had to get over it because uh, he's Asuna's, and that's not going to change. Anytime. You know, so it, it's nice that, that that conclusion to the to the romance dynamic has happened early. It makes a whole lot more sense than just a permanent sort of orbit of all these girls around one guy. Yeah, you know, something that came to mind is uh, the the creator of A Sword Art Online, uh, Ricky Kabuhara. Um, I hope I'm not destroying his name, and I apologize if I did, but. Um, he in, in I think I seen him in a couple of uh, interviews where he says that he has no, um, you know, scientific knowledge or um, programming knowledge. I think he went on record by saying that he he explored in, in HTML coding, uh, but that's the extent of his coding abilities. Um, considering this, 
it's surprising to me that there's so much science and technology in this property. There is a lot. Um, as a scientist, I can. There, there's a few things where they had to jump the shark mm -hmm. uh, because there's just no technology that that matches that. And I'll get into that a bit later in in the in the final segment. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's a lot of it makes a whole lot of sense. He's done a really good job of researching, um, especially with the movie Ordinal Scale, which I'll, I'll get to eventually. But um, that the basis of that was really cool. There, there is a little bit of a, a of a reach in one of the details, but basically it all hangs together, which is really nice. And I, I, I really like that, the, the fact that, you know, because, you know, I'm all about, you know, planting the seed. You know, if, and one of the things, and I think we had this conversation before, if I can have one person do a thought experiment on a topic that we discussed on any of our episodes, I am a happy person. And I think he accomplished <laughs> that without even, you know, not knowing the material. He did a great job of doing the, the scientific. I mean, and he even gives you little nuggets. Like, for example, one thing that comes to mind. I mean, there's so many things, but there's two little nuggets that come to mind. Like, for example, Klein. Uh, Klein could easily be um, modeled after the Klein bottle. I don't know if you, if you guys haven't seen it. Go ahead and Google it, the Klein bottle. And you see it's, it's kind of like a... a a bottle that, that folds into itself um, and, and is used in science. Uh, let's look at silica. If you look at silica, you wonder why she has those, um, those hair ties. And they kind of look like oxygen molecules. They even yeah, have the same yes. They even have the same color. Uh, so you know, little nuggets here and there and this property, it, it makes it, it just it, it tickles me because mm. he's he's planting the scientific seed into the viewer, and I love that. Cool. Uh, one thing you brought up, Klein, which is uh, the other male friend character, which is a very common uh, sort of uh, position that exists within um, harem animes. And he usually doesn't get anywhere with anybody. Like all the girls flock to the one guy who's like the savior character yeah. and the, everybody else pales by comparison. And Klein is basically the butt of jokes and, and doesn't get anywhere. He's also a fair bit older than the rest of them. Most of, most of the main characters in this are in high school or, or junior high. And he's actually in his early twenties. So he's a fair bit older than them. But um, I, I feel like he gets the raw end of the prawn, as we say down in Australia. He gets shafted. Um, Considering nobody he's, goes near him. He's actually a hero too. He might not be a hero he to is. the caliber of Kirito, but he is a hero. And, and it's it, it, like you said, he, he gets the short end of the stick because, um, you know, he, he, he's in the shadow, like seriously in the shadow of Kirito. Kirito. He, he just, I feel sorry for the guy. I really do. <laughs> I mean, I feel sorry for the bad things. Don't feel sorry for a guy that all the girls go to his feet, clinging on him. Kirito. Kirito. san So jumping back into into the... <laughs> I don't even know if we're going to get through the uh, synopsis. <laughs> but the, the fairy dance arc in Alfheim Online, basically, um, uh, uh, Kirito go, transfers his character into, into that realm. 
um, discovers one item in his uh, thing that, that, that transferred over correctly, and it's the heart of, of Yui, and Yui becomes a, an assistant sprite uh, in that realm uh, for him. So he gets his, his, his AI daughter back, uh, and then he uh, gets dragged into a, a fight between uh, two different elven races and manages to save a girl there who, uh, lo and behold, turns out to be uh, Sugaha, his sister, but he doesn't know that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and then she's helping him uh, get to the world tree because he's got to get up to the top of the world tree, but the, the quest to get up to the top of the world tree is like the major major quest for the game. Um, he attempts to do that a couple of times and, and fouls gets more assistance every single time, has to learn that he has to rely on other people. Um, uh, Sugaha admits that, he, that, that she loves her brother in, in the real world and then decides she has to get over it. She goes back into Elfham Online to forget about how much she loves her, in inverted commas, brother, who's actually her cousin, uh, and um, falls for Kirito, and then finds out that that's her brother as well. <laughs> and, and it's like, oh, let's just keep stabbing this poor girl in the heart. I really feel sorry for her. Uh, but then she, uh, Kirito uh, helps stop one elven race from trashing two other elven, uh, sorry, fairy races, and um, then ends up getting their help to fight his way to the top of the world tree. He gets up there and discovers that uh, the quest was never meant to be able to be uh, successfully completed. It's been locked by uh, sysadmin, uh, but he managed to luck upon a uh, sysadmin um, uh, swap card, uh, which um, uh, Asuma had actually dropped from the gilded cage he's trapped on the top of the world tree. Uh, he manages to get up there, let her out, and then uh, they both get captured by um, Sugio, the, the, the main bad guy for this arc. And then he goes all uh, tentacle hente and um, and sort of uh, BDSM on her, uh, which was a bit of a surprise in a uh, an anime aimed at uh, you know teenagers. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, that scene was very shocking to me and and very mm. you know it kind of disturbing in a way um, because at this point in the game on this property, you you already have. A, a, an emo- uh, you're emotionally bested with the main characters of uh, Ki- oh, Kirito sure. and Asuna. Well, you are, Robert. <laughs> no, I was too. <laughs> yeah, I'm the hardest asshole to watch TV. <laughs> so I was feeling, I was at this moment, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, and I want to hear your opinions on this, but in this particular scene, I felt like um, Kirito, where... I wanted to do something and I was powerless to do because obviously I'm watching an anime and I'm exactly. watching Kirito feeling the same way. It, it, it kind of like th- there's a kinship between the main character and, and me as a viewer in that particular moment. Well, this is a shonen anime, which is directed at young males. And obviously uh, Kirito, um, what's, his, what's his real name? I can never remember it. Uh, but anyway, he's he's Kasuto. meant to be your stand-in. Sorry? Kazuto. Kazuto, thank you. So he's meant to be your stand-in. You're, you're, you're supposed to look at the world through his eyes. And mainly you're following him. Um, a bit later in the second season, you start following other characters as well. But it always comes back to him. He is the main focus for the, for the series. And everything sort of revolves around him. 
And so he is your, your surrogate within the world. So when he is pinned by that sword and he, he, he thinks he's failed and then um, the ghost in the machine of, um, uh, of the creator of SAO, whose name escapes me yet again, um, oh. uh, Kayaba shows Kayaba. up. Yeah. Um, you, you, you're sort of like the, you know, 11th hour, what the hell, how are we going to survive this? And he gets uh, Kayaba's um, sysadmin privileges, which are higher than uh, Sugio's, and um, manages to, to beat the guy down. And then everything sort of turns out the way you would hope, and Asuna finally wakes up from the nerve gear, and um, things start, you know, they get back to the real world, and they, they get together, and, and they feel the same way in the real world as they did online. Uh, and basically, uh, Asuna and Carito have saved each other's lives, like literally so many times that, you know, they're, they're, they're soul bound as I call it. So they, they are the power couple. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I wonder too, um, on going a little back on what you were mentioning, um, with, uh, Kirito's, uh, sister and, mm-hmm how you know she's in love with the with her brother which we know is just a cousin um mm-hmm. i wonder how much of that it could be played on the word onichan uh which it's it could be it could refer to an older brother as well as someone that you look up to uh and the translation to english makes it sound more and more um detrimental than it that it needs to be i wonder what your thoughts are on that well i i must admit i've only watched this in um dubs so i i haven't picked up on the use of that word particularly um i've 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 seen a lot of subs of other um similar sorts of stories where the brother and sister are close and and yeah the way the word is used like how it's how it's how it's spoken is often the telling thing, like it's not the word in its, in and of itself. It's the it's the way it's it's uttered, the way it's it's spoken. Yeah, because I mean, typically, and this is the way that I understand it. Obviously, uh, my I have very very limited uh, understanding of the Japanese language, although I studied some. Um, it's actually a term of endearment. That um, yes, it's it's it could signify an older brother. It could signify um closeness to someone in particular uh but just the fact that it gets translated because obviously the literal translation is brother um so you would understand why when it gets translated in english they would name it call it brother there's really no other word that could signify all the other stuff all the other definitions that i have meant that i have actually mentioned um but I always wondered, because when you listen to it, uh, if you take the significance of the word in your head when you watch this on Ichan and, and you watch this for a second time, it's not as shocking as it is when you listen and you take the, literary tra- the literal translation in, from English, which means brother. Um, I, I, I always wonder about that. I don't know what you guys uh, and Giancarlo. I don't know if you are f- more familiar um, from your all your anime watching as well on the word onichan and other properties. 
Well, for me, Onichang is more like a venerating slash uh, dreamy way of an older person in a romantic way. Yeah, that's that's is what, what I think. That's that's how it's, I see it's, it. It's it's reverence. It's yeah, reverence, but there's some romantic involvement into it, right? There's there could it, be. There can be. It doesn't always have to be. Mm-hmm. There could be. It depends if 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 if. As if another we call it sama, which is only respect and veneration. Yeah, but if if the if the younger sister is sort of you know being all cutesy at the time and exactly. and. So I always wonder because I mean I have to admit the first time that I watched it and and I and I'm sure that the, the creators and the directors all the stuff play into that in the story just to make it you know a little bit more shocking because when you have a shock and awe in a property in a story it, it makes that story that much more um, fun. And and it, it good it, it makes a good property. I mean that's why we have all those those uh, endings where it's like a complete three uh, three sixty and and you don't know you're like really shocked on what happened. So I I wonder if although they knew and and they played on with that word because that word in English is a lot stronger than it is in Japanese. And and, and I have to admit first time that I watched it, it was shocking to me until I learned that it was actually a a, a, a cousin. A- and we know that he grew up in the family as, as the brother because they, they, they explain it very specifically in the story uh, line where they took on Kirito um, and they raised them as their own. Um, but my thing is, the first time I watched it, it was shocking. I was like, oh, ugh, this is icky. And then I realized, oh, not that it's any better, but it's a lot more, I can I can take it a lot easier once they explained it was a cousin. I mean, w- let me start with Giancarlo. What do you think about that, what I just said? And then we move on to Max. I would like to hear what Max had to say first. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know why, like... Like I'm loving having Max because his his input too sometimes actually modifies mine. <laughs> I I think hard about things, so I, I usually have a good um, I either have a good grasp or no grasp at all. Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess the the way I I was sort of looking at it is the heart wants what the heart wants. You you can't always exp- like. Uh, Emotions don't have a logical perspective. Exactly. It's, it's, it's feelings, and, and feelings don't give a shit who yes. the person is. If you feel yeah. something for the person, um, then, then you feel something for them. You, you, your logic might take over and go, no, that's, that's like, if, if you know, that's, that's my, my blood sibling, I cannot feel that way about them, and, and you just shove that in the bottom locker of your heart and never think about it again, or... Um, you know, if, if somebody's way more impulsive, they might try and act on it. And I mean, there's there's laws in every country that says you can't marry a blood sibling, mainly because of the the genetic issues, mm-hmm. which is you know um, uh, recessive genes from both sides coming together and causing mutation and and uh, deleterious effects in the offspring, which is 
being a biologist, I know all about this. So you just basically want to avoid that. But then you look at history and you go, okay, like the Egyptian royal family was, you know, getting it on with each other. And lots of other royal families have married into the same family. And you, you, you look at um, yeah, a, a really a really hot topic over the last 10 years, Game of Thrones. The very first book, you open that book and there's a brother and sister, king and queen. And there it is, you know, first first chapter. It is part of the so, history. If you look at any ro yeah. any royal family throughout history, this is what you see. But it's not a good idea. I mean, the heart wants what the heart wants, but it's still not a good idea. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> and, no. you know, it's, it's because it's taboo, it's a bit exciting. So people go, ooh, ooh, that's exciting. Not something I'd ever try, but it's exciting. <laughs> so <laughs> Absolutely. And here's the funny thing. Now I go in because, I mean, uh, it's funny, it didn't change my opinion, even though I did enjoy your view on it. If me and my sister are walking out there and we are romantically involved and we are just boyfriend and girlfriend out there, if you don't know that we are siblings, it's just normal to everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, so information can change a lot the, the social view of a relationship. I mean, there are there are animes out there that explore this very concept quite heavily, and um, I, I've watched a few of them, and, and I sort of see the ones where the the brother and sister have got closer and closer, and closer, and then these are blood siblings, are closer and closer and closer, and then they said, well, the, it was actually a harem anime, and the the guy gave up on all the other girls and wanted to be with his sister, and then they they went to the point of getting dressed up like they were getting married, and then went, okay, now we'll stop, we'll just walk away. And I'm like, really? It sort of broke it for me. It's like, really? If your heart is that dead set on something, you wouldn't just walk away from it. You, you couldn't. Yeah. Your heart wouldn't let you. And, so it and I have as just any more, other relationship, really, if you think of it. Exactly. But I have a lot yeah, more respect for the stories where the, if, if you're going to go to the point of starting a relationship with your blood sibling, stick with it. Like, you, you wouldn't go to that point and then turn around and walk away again. Hey, guys. I thought Max was going to be the one that does this, but I had an emergency <laughs> coming up, so I, I need know. to say early goodbyes. Well, that, that is a segue into our next, um, um, uh, uh, next segment. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll let you guys close shop, and I'll make sure. Segue. I, had a, I have a, a friend here visiting. He was in the studio with me. Um, I won't do that again, I guess. <laughs> Okay. So he's the one that has emergency. But I mean, it's been great. Um, and just to close about that topic that we were talking, actually, one of my favorite Hiram slash soft hentais is not really a hentai, but it's about a guy and his two stepsisters, and they are crazy in love with him. And I mean, it's treated really like something normal. And to close about the things that happen on the animes and stuff like that, Robert and I have spoken about this. Is is that um, they, they allow with taboos, social taboos, and this is just is that, social cis, taboo. is that cis ex kiss? Yes, that one. Well, they they stepsisters, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they're not so blood they're not related, related. But I mean. Yeah, and then their parents are like oh, so excited about them being together. <laughs> it's yeah, it is. It's a bit un unrealistic, but anyway. So I guess we'll be talking soon, guys. It's been a true pleasure. Oh, it's right. good to have you back. Yeah. All right. I'm jumping out, but you guys enjoy the closing. Catch you then. Okay, so 
you want to jump into the next? Uh... Well, I, I I still haven't got through the second season. That was only the first season. Um, so go, th there's a couple more points we could just cover if you want to. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm... Okay. So so that last scene that I was talking about with with Kaiba showing up again, he gives Kurito a thing called the World Seed, which is a cut down version of what's called the Cardinal System, which controls controlled Sao and controls um, Alfheim Online. Uh, he gets that and he says, you can do whatever you want with it, delete it or hand it out or create a new game with it or whatever you want. So anyway, he, um, uh, Kehito decides to upload it online and let everybody have, have a go at it. So they get a hold of this thing and a whole bunch of other games are created, including one with, um, with uh, sort of a cyberpunk setting with guns and uh, missile launches and all that sort of thing called um, Gun Gale Online. Mm -hmm. And in fact, there's a spin-off anime of 12 episodes called Sword Art Online Alternate Gun Gale Online, which is available on Netflix here, and it's really good. Um, it, it's only focused within that game world. It's got other characters in it, but it's, it's, it's as endearing as SAO. So I recommend everybody have a look at that if you're into SAO. Uh, it's really enjoyable. It's got a good twist at the end too. So I had a lot of fun with that one. But uh, God, I can't even say his name now. <laughs> name now. Um, Carito is asked by uh, a government representative who's been helping him out uh, to go into uh, Gun Gale Online because uh, several people have died in real life when a guy uh, called Death Gun has shot them in game with a particular with a particular weapon. And um, th there's this whole games killing people thing sort of coming back into it again. So this is a repeating, um, a repeating topic that comes up within the anime. And uh, he goes in there, he meets uh, a character named Sinon, whose real name is Asuda. So you've got Asuna and Asuda, yeah. which gets really complicated. <laughs> I don't know why they did that. Yeah. Uh, but she, she's got, she's, she's like my, my favorite character in the anime uh, besides the, the, the main two is because she's got this really complicated backstory in that when she was 10, she actually foiled a robbery by, by well, the, the robber was going to shoot her mother and she leapt up, bit him in the hand, got hold of his pistol and shot him three times. So she's killed somebody at the age of 10 and she has huge PTSD about this. Every time she sees a gun in real life, like a pistol, she wants to vomit and, and she, she like spins out and collapses. And she's playing Gun Gale Online where she's a sniper and she, um, she's using that as a, as a treatment for her PTSD because she, she figures if she can become the most powerful player in Gun Gale Online, then she will be strong in real life as well and be able to get over her PTSD. Mm -hmm. So and she ends up helping out uh, Kirito, who's got a female avatar in Gun Gale Online. He didn't get to choose it. He just got assigned it when he, when he, when he poured it over from uh, Alfheim Online. And um, it, it's, a, it's a really fun little thing. They've got like, well, the equivalent of lightsabers. They're called a plasma sword. Uh, but he ends up using that with a backup pistol in a, in a gun game. So he's actually got to cut the bullets in half and deflect them as he's closing on his target. So he, he's given himself a bit of a hard time. But um, he's got huge strength and huge um, agility, so he can swing it if he if he knows the bullets are coming. I I enjoyed but, in in that just before you move uh, going yeah. on, I really enjoyed the comparisons on this arc to Star Wars. So you mm. have Kirito, 
with a light sword, and you have Death Gun with a robot voice. Kind of like Luke versus Darth Vader. I don't know if you know. Oh that. yeah, they were channeling that big time. It, it was they so really much were. fun to have that that you know that comparison in in, in an anime. And it was especially it was the also first time they brought mystery. in the, the the lightsaber. I I really got <laughs> tickled. Well, well, when 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 she says, "Oh, they're called plasma swords," or this, the other, and there's one other name, but I can't remember it. <laughs> lightsaber. <laughs> they couldn't say it because it's uh, not their IP. Exactly. <laughs> it was beautiful. All these little nods. I loved it. Yeah, but um, yeah, basically they go into this this competition for the the best player on the server um, called Bullet of Bullets, and Kirito, who's like it's his first day on the server, and he gets into this thing, and uh, nobody can deal with him because nobody else plays like this. Nobody else uses a, a plasma sword and closes to within striking distance. They're they're all shooting at each other from distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's trying to find out who this um, death gun is, and he finally meets up with him. And it's it's pretty shocking what uh, Kirito goes through because this is where he's um, trying to deal with his PTSD of having killed people on SAO. And he knows he's met this guy in SAO, but he couldn't remember his name. Because if he could remember his name, they could then cross-reference this guy with the database of the uh, SAO survivors and work out who he was and where he lives, and then they could go arrest him. Mm-hmm. But there's also this mystery of how he's killing people because there's no way that they can work out because the the atmosphere doesn't have the power that uh, the the output power that the um, nerve gear did. There's no way that they that you could kill somebody from within the game. But they 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 finally work out that he's got an accomplice who's sneaking into their house and injecting them with with a drug that's stop stopping their heart. That is creepy. It is. It is super creepy. And then when, when they realize that it's people who um, are high profile and are living alone so they can get into their, um, their apartments and they, they're there in the room. And when you've got this atmosphere on, you, your senses are blocked. They're not completely blocked, but they're blocked enough that you don't know what's going on in the room around you. So Sinon's there. She, she lives alone. She, she studies. Um, she, she moved from a prefecture into Tokyo to do high school. And she lives alone. And they realize that somebody's probably, because Death Gun's trying, trying to kill her. He's shooting at her with his pistol. And, and, and Kirito manages to stop him. But they realize that there's probably somebody in her apartment right now with a syringe ready to inject her as soon as she gets shot in game with his pistol. And that is freaking scary. Yes. <laughs> and, and she can't log out because if she logged out, they'd kill her anyway. Um, but... Um, as long as she doesn't die in game, she's got to try and avoid getting killed by this pistol. So, um, yeah, it's just freaking scary, really well written and really like heart stopping, heart in your mouth kind of uh, entertainment. My, it's actually my favorite arc in, in, in the whole thing so far, uh, except maybe Ordinal Scale, the movie. Ordinal Scale was really well written. But um, Kirito manages to um, uh, remember the guy's name eventually, fights him to a standstill. Actually, they both managed to fight him to a standstill uh, and they deal with him and then um, uh, Asuda's friend who is is very keen on her shows up and he's unhinged and it turns out he's the brother of an SAO survivor who was in Laughing Coffin and they're working together to murder these people. 
Yeah. And he's he's attempting he's assault sexually assault well he's assaulting her they don't quite get to the sexual part but it's it's implied that that's what he's working towards uh, and Carito bursts in like he 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 goes over there from the hospital where he was diving from and he bursts in and you think that he's been injected and that he's going to die but he actually still had one of the um, uh, tabs on from the heart monitor that he was wearing in the hospital. Yes. And the 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 needle hits that, and so he doesn't get injected, and and they they beat down the guy, and he manages to save a suitor. So of course she falls in love with him too. Yeah, because that's what happens. Because why not? Because <laughs> that's what happens. He he's a chick magnet. Even the nurse who was it was the same nurse who helped him rehabilitate after he got out of SAO. She's got the hot string too. Yeah, that I found <laughs> that I found that to be so hilarious. It was. It was really funny. Uh, I mean, this 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 show. I mean, the 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 weakest part of the of the um of the storytelling is actually the Alfheim online part. There's parts of that that really don't don't add up very well. And there's actually videos where people have have suggested ways to fix it fairly well. But um, uh, that that arc, the 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 um, Phantom Bullet arc is brilliant. It's really well done. There's a really good mystery going on and, and I really, really enjoyed it. Following up on that is a, a small um, arc to do with the Cardinal system. So uh, Alfheim Online has the full Cardinal system. The full Cardinal system goes out into the internet and finds uh, information about um, legends and then incorporates it into the game. So this game is basically, you could almost say that it's an AI of its own right. It, it's self-modifying which is a, a huge thing in AI research at the moment where uh, self-learning AI is, is what uh, they're working towards because it's so much uh, easier than having to program everything into an AI because you can't think of everything that you've got to put into an AI to, for, to deal with every single situation. But these self-learning AIs, and they do have them now, um, things like um, the, the uh, AI... Uh, bots that they use for call centers. And, um, you know, when, when you go onto a website and a thing pops up, say, can we help you today? You start typing stuff in. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a, um, a virtual assistant. You and know- uh, the high end of these virtual assistants is, is what's called a, a self-learning AI. And the more interaction they have with the clients, the more interaction they have with the environment they have to deal with, the more methods they learn how to deal with it. I, that, I think that would be, great and as a gamer i think that would be an awesome advance into into future games if they can create a game where the ai will take care of the scenery and 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 the interactions um because i think in part that's uh, one of the limitations on uh, designing games is not only the time that it takes to account for every possible scenario that you can encounter, especially for a full immersive game, but it's also the amount of money, the incredible mm. amount of money that you have to pay uh, not only uh, designers, um, you know, uh, the people that, that paint the scenery, but also, uh, you know, the story and it, it, it Sometimes some of these games, they have to release early because if they don't, 
they're just gone bankrupt because there there's just so much money invested into it. And I, in part, <coughs> I think, and I might be wrong here, but I think in part, this is why some of those games that they, they, they end up in tragedy. Um, like for example, um, cyberpunk, you know, when it, when it released, I don't know that that's what actually happened to it, but eventually they become a better game because they have an influx of uh, capital coming in from the sales and then they put it back into finishing um, the product. So I think, in my opinion, uh, the, 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 the use of AI in gaming would be a, a huge um, fast forward in the industry. It, it's just my opinion. Well, it, it, it works in a uh, an MMO sort of server-based capacity because your computer at home, if you're playing a, a single-player game, couldn't do that. It wouldn't have enough processing power. Mm-hmm. But if, if you're doing something that's on a massive server, like like these sorts of games would be, mm-hmm. um, then th- they have the opportunity to do that. Yes. And um, it, it's it's also a case of if, if the enemy AI, like the, the things you're fighting, um, have that functionality, they will eventually become unbeatable because unlike a person, they can remember every single thing that they've ever faced and recognize when they're facing it again and come up with the perfect strategy to win. Yeah, Human beings can't do that. There's some people who are, who are naturally good at that, but most human beings can't do that. Whereas if you have an AI that's learnt enough, it's, it's unstoppable. Yeah. So you've got to be careful with enemy AI. Now, the, the, the Cardinal system in, in uh, Elfheim Online is, is a, a game design system. So it's creating uh, adventures based on these um, stories. And the next arc, um, which now I've got to find the name for it because it's a little bit out of order. Um, uh, is that the, uh, the Alice arc? Or? No, no, no. This is still in season two. Oh, okay. Um, so no, I can't see here. So this is actually the, the, the order for um, the light novels. So did the anime slightly out of sync with the light novels? Mm-hmm. But um, I, I, it's it's based on Norse Norse mythology, and oh, basically yes. the Alfheim. You, you remember you remember you, no well it's it's in Alfheim but it's underneath Alfheim it's it's in the one of the sub levels, um, uh, but basically it's based on Ragnarok, yeah. and the cardinal system creates uh, a series of events which if they're not stopped will destroy the entire server. It'll wreck the entirety of Elfheim up on, on up in Midgard, um, and uh, there's all this stuff going down uh, under underground with the, the frost giants and and the the land that was down there before the frost giants um, took it over and, and turned it all in, into snow. And they actually it's it's only like four or five episodes or something like that. But basically, if if uh, Carito and his, his band of, of Mary, one, one Mary man and a whole bunch of, of, of uh, beautiful women, uh, if they don't manage to stop this and, and get to the sword Excalibur before um, the, the last of the um, uh, Cthulhu elephant creature thingies yeah. that are floating around is killed, then um, the, the, the dungeon will push its way up through the world tree and destroy the world. So the cardinal, the full cardinal system can destroy its own world through events. Uh, the cut-down cardinal system, which is in Gunga Line and all the others, can't. 
it doesn't have that functionality. So Elfheim is basically on borrowed time if these guys can't manage to pull this off. So it, it's one of those on-the-clock race against time. Everything will be destroyed. They'll lose everything if, um, if they don't manage to do it. So it, it was a really good arc in that it had that really hard, hard time pressure thing going on. And um, it, it had some really good back and forth between the characters. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I, and I, then This arc, I think, is the only arc that I actually started to feel better about Klein. Um, when he encounters Freya... Uh, yeah. which uh, in the oh, Norse Klein. mythology... Uh, I'm sorry? Are you, talking about, are you talking about Klein or... Klein, um, Klein. Yeah. So Encounters Freya, which uh, if you know a little bit about, about the uh, Norse uh, mythology, is the goddess, uh, I believe, the con- is a counterpart to another uh, Norse god, but it's in charge of love, fertility, battle, and death. Um, and they encounter Freya, and on, it, on their way to end this, this mission, and it, it was just another uh, another hit in the gut for Klein when Freya <laughs> turns into Thor. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> what I was thinking. I was like, you can't win a trick, can you, buddy? <laughs> Poor I Klein. I, I re- I, like, I'd like to write to the, uh, I, don't, I can't write in, in, in kanji, but I would really love to write to the uh, author and say, look, Give Klein a girlfriend. Come on, you can't be that mean to the poor guy. There's so many girls there. Just one. <laughs> well, they're, they're like oh, they're like eight eight. They're like seven, eight, nine years younger than him. So that's probably why they're, yeah. they're not. But you going know what? In that, in that direction, I would even be happy if they create like a a, a, a virtual one. You know, hmm. I, I'll I even I, I'll take that. You know, like, like for example, when he met Freya, I was like, okay. This is not a real one, but, you know, at, at least he's getting a virtual one and not even that. <laughs> it turns yeah, into Thor. <laughs> well, the, the difference between the characters of Klein and uh, uh, Carito is uh, Carito is action and Klein is verbiage. So Klein meets people. Like when he when he met Asuna for the first time, he was telling her about how he's looking for his soulmate and Carito kicked him in the guts <laughs> to shut him up. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> Carito hadn't... hadn't you know, got together with the Sunni and didn't want to miss out on that, on that good stuff. So he had to, sh- had to shut him down. But Klein, Klein is way too upfront. Carito is, is you've got to have that air of mystery to get mm-hmm. girls interested. If you throw everything up front, um, they're just going to, oh God, not another one of those. Um, but, but yeah, Carito does two things right. Air of mystery and saves the girl in the first instance. Like he rocks up and saves them. Yeah. And then he continues to do so. So, like, that's why they fall for him. So, you know, I think Klein could take a page out of his book and shut his trap and just, (laughs) you know, be be a hero, and then he'd get further. I really think that that's something he needs to learn in his arc. Because he has half of the half of that down already. He's a hero. He He, he might not be a hero to the Kirito, Kirito, you know, Kiritos, but he is a hero. He's just, you know, he just talks too much. Yeah. So remember that, guys, if you're listening and you're, you're, you're unlucky in love, an uh, air of mystery will attract more women than just being up front and going, I'm looking for the right girl, I'm looking for my soulmate. Don't say that. It's implied. Just <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So um, uh, that arc was interesting in, in the whole technology side of, of the cardinal system and, and um, design that evolves, like uh, uh, 
a game design that evolves. And that, that we could probably talk about that for a while, but I, I'm, I'm actually running out of time myself. So I'll, I'll get onto the last part of, um, of season two, uh, which is called uh, Mother's Rosario. That's, that's the arc that it's in. Um, a, uh, a character named Zeken shows up and starts challenging people to duels. Uh, at this particular place in New Arncred, because uh, the Arncred um, floating castle gets transported into Elfheim so that they can play through it again without dying and being permanently dead. Uh, so um, uh, this this uh, character turns up. And all, all the other all the other people in the group have had a go and and lost resoundedly. Uh, and this is this is actually an arc that focuses on Asuna rather than. Uh, Kirito, he's he's not in some of the episodes, which is uh, a nice change. But um, as soon as having a lot of trouble with her mother, because her mother's trying to control her life, wants to, her to go to a new school, not be at the school for the survivors, and basically sort of trying to separate her from um, uh, Kirito and, and get her to marry somebody she thinks is more suitable to her daughter because they're a, a well-to-do family uh, with... Um, political and um, uh, business connections, and she wants her daughter to have, you know, money and power and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So basically, mother's trying to control her life, and she's pushing it back against it. Her mother doesn't like her going into VR worlds and wants her to stop doing that as well. Um, and uh, she, uh, as soon as trying to work out how the hell she can deal with the mother, because they don't, they're not on good terms. Um, and. Asuna keeps getting told about this Zekin and how they're the, the best fighter they've ever seen. Even Kirito was lost to Zekin. And um, uh, Asuna goes, oh, well, I'll give it a shot. And she goes up there and uh, Zekin is fighting in this cloud of, of, of smoke and, and beats this guy down and then drops down out of the smoke and Zekin is a girl. And nobody mentioned that, to that to Asuna. So she's like, what? And then she, she looks over at Karina, you, you lost deliberately, didn't you? Because uh, we, we found out previously that Karina doesn't like um, beating on girls. Yeah. Because um, he's a, a real gentleman, et cetera, et cetera. But um, she says, no, look, I, if, if, um, if uh, Zekin, which uh, that, that's the, the nickname that she's got, but her name is Yuki. If Yuki was in Sword Art Online, I wouldn't have got the dual wielding skill. She would have. She's a better than I am. Yeah. And um, and for for Karito to have said that, it's pretty pretty telling. Yeah. Because he's he's a pretty proud guy when it's all said and done. He saved everybody who was left alive in Sao. So um, he's he's got the chops for it. But he says she's better. And she has this eleven hit combo thing that she can do, uh, which she's developed on her own. And he, and he says to Asuna that it, it seemed to me that she's a product of the full dive environment. And Asuna's trying to work out what that means. Um, but Asuna uh, fights into a standstill and uh, Yuki says, you're the one, and takes her off to meet the rest of her guild, which is the Sleeping Knights. And they go off on an adventure to try and take, take down a, a level boss and get their names on this wall. And it takes a, a few episodes to find out what's actually going on. But uh, Yuki is actually um, terminally ill, and she's in this thing called a Mediki Boy, which is an experimental device for um, uh, treating terminal patients where it, it has the same power. It actually have higher power levels of interruption to nerve signals than uh, the original nerve gear. 
it's it's been built from the original NervGear specs, and it's used to block um, uh, chronic pain uh, and give somebody an environment where they can can be more relaxed while they're terminally ill and um, sort of on the way out. Uh, and it turns out that um, uh, uh, Yuki is dying of AIDS, which was a, a pretty big reveal. It was a it was a big blow. Yeah. To uh, to find that out, and it's it's very sort of heart wrenching. Um, they they spend time. Um, Kirito's doing a mechatronics thing because he's he's working on going to university to to study mechatronics, which is basically creating um, interfaces so that virtual um, AIs and things like that can interact with the real world to back the other way, and um, so Yui can can be with them in the real world. And um, they use that so that uh, Yuki can go to school with Asuna and they become very, very close, almost like sisters, because uh, Yuki did have an older sister, but she died of AIDS because um, they both caught it off their mother. Um, she died of AIDS a year before and um, there's a really touching scene, which I only watched just um, last night, where um, they put... Um, Yuki back into the Mediki Boyd and she dies in Alfheim when she's in Alfheim. Yeah. And this everybody's arc broke, there. This art broke me. <laughs> yeah. It, I know how heartbroken you get over the sad endings. And that was a pretty sad ending. So for you to have, have soldiered on through that and kept watching the series, um, hats off to you. I know that would have been hard for you, Robert. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it, it, yes, it was, it was a uh, gut punching and, and, and I'm sure, um, maybe not at the same level, but I'm sure that everyone that I've seen that scene has experienced this at some kind of level uh, where it's just, it's just a hard thing. And, and it makes you wonder, you know, how good she was in game. How much is that related to the fact that the game is, is, is actually her reality because of the chronic yeah. pain. She's been in there for three years. So which actually, is longer than they were trapped in SAO. Exactly. So yeah, yeah, it was uh, it's sad considering how young she was as well. Mm, she was fourteen. So, but yeah, but yeah, the, the the technical technological side of that is using a full dive environment to help control chronic pain and give people some sort of um, positive functional reality um, beyond being trapped in a hospital bed, um, you know, writhing in pain for the rest of your life, which is very short. Um, it's an interesting use for the technology, and and it's it. I think that if this sort of thing ever gets developed, they'll use it like that. Um, I, I think that it was a really positive sort of angle uh, of of using a technology which has been troublesome in this storyline mm -hmm. uh, in a positive way. Yeah, I imagine that the 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 great benefits of the technology that would cause them to like say, for example, treating terminal ill patients on a, on a yeah. It's, it's just, it's very, you know, like lying in hospital for like, I've, I've been in hospital for, you know, a couple of weeks and it was boring as hell. Um, and just being in there for years, that, that would just be heartbreaking. Like you'd see your years ticking by and you know, you're going to die soon and you're getting nothing out of it. This gave Yuki, uh, an opportunity to make new friends and new memories and, and do exciting things and, feel like she'd achieved something in her life where she'd been stuck in a hospital bed in reality. She was able to go in and have adventures and, 
and and do things with people and that that's what you really want in in life is to connect to other people and she got the opportunity to do that through this device so i think it was really uh positive in the impact it had on her, her remaining time definitely i i really enjoy that arc and i think that partly um that uh, knowing that and this arc uh, ha- actually made it easier for me to go through this arc especially considering the ending that is at this arc had um mm. but you know you realize i mean the alternative would be if the technology wasn't there this poor kid would have been suffering um exactly like like many many suffer uh, today with chronic pain so it it's it, it's heartwarming and it broke me at the same time uh, yeah so there's 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 two movies and well like three movies including the one that's coming out shortly um and two more seasons of this anime and you can see just by like we've we've chewed up a lot of time here going through a lot of the things that happened and the technology is really interesting um in in and as it functions within the show it's got a whole lot of scope and a whole lot of questions and and you know Everything's a, a two-edged sword. It can be used for good and it can be used for bad. People who will, will take advantage of these things, like Sugio, who's trying to create software that can be used to manipulate people's minds. And then there's uh, people like the doctors who were trialing this medicaboid to, to help people who are terminally ill. So everything's a balance. Everything's got two edges that can be used for good, it can be used for bad. And that's really clear in this, in this story. So there's two more seasons after this where things take a bit of a left turn at Albuquerque, um, and we're going to have to cover that in another show because I've got to go soon. But I just uh, to finish up here, I wanted to get to that last um, uh, section that, that we were going to do, Robert. Okay, so the next section uh, for season two of Science Fiction Remnant is... Dumb Science and Sci-Fi. So take it away. Okay, so obviously um, we, we're not there yet. Uh, we've only got less than a year before in, in the storyline uh, on November 6, 2022, uh, Sword Art Online comes online. So we don't have the technology ready for that yet. Yeah. Uh, what's happening in real life to try and make these sorts of things happen is obviously everybody's heard of Neuralink, which is uh, a company that uh, Elon Musk set up. Uh, to try and be able to connect um, computerized devices to people's brains. So people who've, you know, lost the use of their limbs or, um, or have need to control machinery without touching it using, or using the, their hands uh, would be able to do so. But obviously there's no sort of um, uh, zero contact method of doing this. There's no Wi-Fi for this sort of thing yet. Uh, it's all Ethernet cable. So <laughs> what we have to do is they're working on connecting electrodes to people's brains, literally into their heads. So there's a direct link between people's brains and neurons and um, uh, translation devices, which will then control the machinery. So uh, this sort of thing is still in its very early stages. Uh, again, like Back to the Future, we haven't got the flying cars yet and we're four years past where we're supposed to have them. Uh, in this reality, uh, we are not going to get to Neuralink. Uh, well, Neuralink is not going to get to the point of um, nerve gear uh, in, inside of a year. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, parallel universes, maybe there is one where, it, where it's, all, it's all come together and there isn't a guy named Kaiba who's, um, who's going to do all sorts of nasty things to 10,000 people. But uh, I, I don't live in that universe, neither do you. 
So uh, Neuralink, they're working on that. Um, Obviously, that technology has uh, the ability to uh, really help people who've, you know, had um, brainstem injuries or spinal injuries and and get them able to to, uh, control equipment again without having the ability to move their arms or legs. Um, It also, as I said before, with the double-edged sword, a lot of people are scared that, you know, having somebody put a chip in your brain will then um, enable them to control you. And, of course, without proper government regulation and and, uh, controls on these things, and obviously... You know, something new like this is going to take them a little while. There'll be a lag before uh, the government regulation comes in. But um, all these sorts of things have to be very carefully watched and made sure that they're not used for nefarious purposes. Yeah. So that, that's, that's the big hassle at the moment, the linking part. Um, so this, this Neuralink is you think something and then the machine does it. Uh, there's no flow back the other way. They're not looking at ways to p- pipe um, sensory data into your cerebrum like the, the Neuralink and, and its follow-ups do. So they're, they're, as far as I know, there is no technology in the works to do that. Um, I, haven't, I haven't seen any. So controlling, yes, they're working on it. Um, getting you know, feedback, force feedback or, or visual um, uh, sensory feedback isn't in the works at the moment. So we don't even have that opportunity either. So you can't full dive and control the thing and and get that get that feeling of being there. So what is actually they're working on for VR at the moment? So everybody's heard about um, oh damn it now it's my my um, my my tab here. Oh. Um, oh, trying to remember the name of the VR headset, but I can't find it. Do you remember the name of any common VR headsets? Okay. Uh, well, I, I got uh, the Quest seems to be, uh, especially after the beta announcement. The Oculus. The Oculus, Oculus Quest. Quest. Mm-hmm. Yes, I was trying to remember Oculus. Yep. So uh, the Oculus is, is the big one at the moment. And um, the new versions of the Oculus that they're working on at the moment have a lot of um, haptic, haptic being, you know, touch. Um, uh, sort of simulations. So you've got the um, uh, omnidirectional treadmill. So you sort of get into a harness and you get on this treadmill and you can walk in any direction and it feels like you're, you're, you're actually there walking in the world. And the treadmill moves at the speed that your feet are going and that moves you in the game world. So you don't have to be using a joystick to move around. Um, there's the gloves, as you mentioned before. Uh, obviously, eyes and ears are covered with, with the headset. So you get uh, 3D sound and you get 3D visuals, um, so you feel like you're in the world. Uh, but obviously, jumping around, gravity, um, uh, uh, injury, pain, and all that sort of thing can't be covered with this stuff because it's just a, a simulation within the physical environment. You're not blocking the physical environment and then providing a fully VR environment, so we're not there yet. Uh, but that's sort of where the, the VR uh, experience is going at the moment until they get some way to pipe all that good stuff straight in your brain. And there's, a, there's actually a technology out there, and I can't remember the name, that you can actually plug in to the Oculus, sit down on a chair, and, and you could actually move around, and it, it actually reads your, your um, feet. 
and, and you can actually move um, and you can look one way and, and move to the other way. So it's something close, except the only difference is you're sitting down on a chair. Um, and, and unfortunately, I can't remember the name, but uh, it's being sold right now for the Oculus uh, Quest. Yes, I mean, there's lots of people out there working on these sorts of things, but it's a long way from um, full VR. It's a long way from um, uh, a full dive system. Yeah, yeah. And, and one one other thing I wanted to bring up, which is, isn't part of this section, but it's the music of SAO. The, the anime openings and closings are brilliant. Uh, there's a YouTube channel called uh, Lee and Lai, which uh, a, a young woman named Emily uh is is a singer and she sings english versions of anime tunes she's got a whole album out called um link start which is what they say when they they start diving into full vr and um uh her her singing is brilliant the um arrangements are brilliant and it's just she she does a lot of other animes as well uh, english versions of the of the japanese uh, opening and closing tunes and it's just brilliant. I highly recommend you check it out if you're into SAO. Uh, you will enjoy it. Having hearing it in English for the first time is like, wow. And Robert, uh, you remember I showed you that one where she sings the the opening tune of the first um, the first arc of SAO. Yeah, and amazing. Then, and then I, I showed you the seven minute version, the the um, uh, acoustic one. Yeah, yeah. With when it's all slowed down, that is beautiful. Yeah. I really, sure I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. So check, check her out. Um, she does a lot of other ones as well. Uh, particularly good is one of the songs from um, uh, Assassination Classroom, if you've seen that one. Really, really good. So uh, check all that stuff out. Uh, really fantastic. Awesome. So um, this is going to conclude our first episode on Season 2. Um, I hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more episodes for season two. Well, this is all for now. Reach out to us and let us know what do you think about this episode. Share your comments and let us discuss this episode and any ideas on topics you would like us to discuss on future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sci-Fi Remnant. Would you like to join our Discord server? The link is posted in the description. Remember, if you like this show, do share, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Doing this will help others find and enjoy this show. Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off. Next, on Science Fiction Remnant. It takes care of all aspects of life, including reproduction, like your computer. Great balancing act, but putting all of that into the context of the age, it was blowing people's minds. Absolutely blowing people's minds. If they sell fish to fish, oh, they're going to be eating cats. <laughs>